Welcome to Social Fabric. In this program, we will bring you conversations with people who discuss their passion and their interaction with the community. We explore how different jobs, careers or achievements can inspire us to make small changes to improve our lives within our communities. If you would like to be interviewed or know someone that has a good story to share, email us at info at socialfabric.ie. Enjoy. QGJ created Mud Sweat and Runners, a running group in Glendalough, County Wicklow, for people that want to experience trail running or appreciate the wilderness. He also does one-on-one -on -one training sessions and all of it on a donation-only basis. His personal journey is a mosaic of touching and inspiring stories. I didn't edit the conversation, I felt that every bit was worth listening to. I'm here with Juju. Juju J of Mod Sweating and Runners. Runners. That's it. So Juju, I'm gonna actually like to start from Mod Sweating Runners. So we start from the end. So tell me a bit about what do you do with Mod Sweating Runners. With, with, with yeah, Mod Sweating Runners. Yeah, I um, started off Mod Sweating Runners about um, eight years ago, maybe. So it would have been 2011. Um, and it just started up as a as a as a, as a group <coughs> meeting up and socialising. Um, while running, you know. Um, I was one of other groups in the past before then, but I found they were a little bit too competitive and there was a lack of socialising involved them. Um, and I knew there was a, a grown market in trail running to be. So, I, as I said, I set up Mudsman Runners um, and that's really where it went from where it is today, you know. And is it a, you just run out of a Facebook page? Is that how you run yeah, it? Yeah, Facebook page is, is, the main, is the main page. I used to have a, um, I used to just post up stuff on my own personal Facebook page and then I created, I realised that, you know, not everybody's on my page, even though it's public. I decided to set up and keep it clean to the actual, uh, its own Facebook community page. And then I just paste, I just posted like, hey, I'm going for a run, does anyone want to come? It was kind of unprofessional a little bit. And not, not everybody can, but some people did come. And then I realised it's actually it's getting more popular, so I better start making it a bit more official looking. So I made up events and you know put a little bit more details involved in the run, so it could be beginner level, sort of slow pace, a lot of regrouping, and maybe an intermediate run where it's a bit more a longer pace or sorry longer distance, maybe like thirteen k. Um, but it would always be nice loops, so I wouldn't do that too extreme, you know. And then some weekends I might feel like a fast run or a really tough run, so mm -hmm. I find something really steep to run up, you know. And then from there on I went to here we are today again. So you have how many people are involved in the most better running? <coughs> yes, now it's it's actually as I said when I started it was very uh, it was very organic, but now it's more of a structure. So now it's really it's almost turned into a club. It's as we all have branded the tops and hats and everything else. But a non-official club where you wouldn't you wouldn't pay a membership fee. Yeah, it's still all based on donations. So yeah, what was the question again? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> how many how many people are on the? Oh, there many people. Yeah. So yeah, now I say there's about probably roughly regularly about 50, 60. Okay. But in total, I'd say we have 
maybe up to nearly a hundred people. Oh, great, yeah. great. So it's a yeah. caters for every every level. Oh yes, every. And see, people come and go all the time. Absolutely, you wouldn't have fifty people. They might, people they all might the come time. in like so they got the basic regulars who are there every 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 session, and they haven't missed one, you know, and because they just enjoy it so much. And then you have some people that come and go, but they'll always come back. You know, they might don't just travel or go somewhere another group, but they'll eventually come back. You know. So it's it's good like that. So for anybody new that is interested, it is kind of half thinking a trail running, and I mean you're in the best place in, yes, in Ireland, totally. in Glendalough. Mm-hmm. You have all the options here. So for anybody interested, just go on Facebook. Most Facebook Runner, or, yeah, they just look, just click look, in and, click just, Morse, and um, just join whenever. And if they they're can. not on Facebook, Facebook because it's a community page. It's live, so you'll always you won't you won't you won't, you won't get the newest feed in your page if you're not on a member of Facebook. But you can just but you can still log in okay. and see. And I'm also again I'm on Twitter and as you know I'm Brilliant, on the yeah. pages. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, as we do with this conversation, we just I, I was listening to the the choice of music that you gave me, mm-hmm. and the first one I, I picked is the the Warsaw Village Band, <laughs> and a, a song called Cranes. Uh, I have to say I never heard of the Warsaw yeah, Village Band. Just not many people have. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, how do you? Who are they? Who are they? They're just I, I don't know much about them themselves. More I listen to their music. Mm. Um, but I just love I love folk music, love traditional type of music mm. like that. And I came across them one day, and I went, you know, I'll give it a shot. And it was actually in Blackheart Library. I tend to go into libraries a lot mm. um, and just pick up some of these. And, eh, folksy, Polish, yeah, it could be good. You know, I like the Polish accents, you know. And um, so then from there, I just brought it home and listened to it. And oh, wow, it's really inspiring. I really like this music, you know. So one or two tracks that really... I, when, I, when I'm at home, I'm a bit of a crazy leprechaun, and I was at home, and I was listening to the tracks, and then I come on, I start dancing, I get really hyper, and I was really giving the jig, and me and my dog, dog starts jumping up and down, and I just love that track, you know. Great. So it's the first CD I've ever had, I don't know much about them, but if they ever played in Dublin, you definitely go. go and see them. Brilliant, that's good. Cool. I'm dancing away, <laughs> with clothes on. <laughs> stay with the, the mountains for a bit because mm. um, yeah, it's a fascinating uh, part of the world, uh, the Wicca Mountains, but just give me an idea of your typical day when you get up in the morning. Just okay. a, a typical My day. own personal typical day would be just to get up, stick on the running gear and go for a run without the watch, without any technology. A lot of stuff I don't post on Strava or anything like that because it's my own personal journey um, and I just get up and go running. So I'd often bring the dog with me. I have a uh, border collie, and he's a very strong runner. So at the most of the distance what he's done with me so far, without stopping, it's about 15, 16k. So he's great. And that could be early in the morning. Um, and then I come home, and then I'd have a session with somebody. So then the watch goes back on. It's kind of like the, I'm in the office when that, that, that's clicked on, you know. And uh, I do a bit of personal training with everybody. So I could be two or three sessions a day. And then I might have a group run. 
in the evening. So that's another session again. So and in, in between in there, I hop in and out with walking my dog. Mm -hmm. uh, eating, I don't need too much foods. <coughs> I have a, um, what I do, I don't, I'd have it maybe a sandwich or something or a bowl of cereal. A lot, I eat a lot of uh, powders. When I, when I do eat, you see, it's mm -hmm. quite good. Powerful foods with, like I said, I just, they just give me the, the, the boost for the day, mm -hmm. you know. And then the most important part of the day is a power nap. So I have one of them every single day. Okay. It's almost a religion thing for me now. And that's what gives me the energy to keep going. And how long is the power nap? 15, 20 minutes. Completely dark room. I have lots of really relaxing, relaxing music on and some incense. And I like it connected with mm. my soul, you know. And do you, do you have an alarm? You put an alarm on? No, for? don't you do just anything. Just, just wake 15 up, minutes. yeah. yeah. Patrick usually wakes me up a lot. He often sticks his cold nose to my face and says, time for walkies. <laughs> <laughs> so, effectively, well, the winter, well, winter or, or summer, you spend most, most of the daylight. Yeah. Whatever time I, whatever time I have free myself, I get out there. I okay. never sit down. I never okay. stay in the house for too long. In the evenings, I might just say, you know what, let's watch a movie. Sure. Or I have Netflix there or something like that, you know. I watch that. But the rest, sit is, sit the rest is out there. Uh, yeah, I'm out in the hills nearly every single day of the week. And, I mean, you've been doing this for a few years, and we'll, mm -hmm. we'll talk about that in a second, but so you obviously know now, you know the, the mountains, like oh, the Jesus, back of your hand. Yeah, I tell you now, I know word of a lie. I know every inch, every, literally every, every, I don't know how to explain it, but I know every inch of the mountains, mm -hmm. more than I'd say most people do out there. Like, Brilliant. Like that's just some years of going and getting lost in the fog or just... You know, looking at the maps and going, I've never been there. I'm like, I'm like Pac-Man in, in, in a sense. I'm just <laughs> literally, I, you know, because my job is running. It's, sure. it's turned into that now as a job, yeah. really. And it's a hobby as well. But when I'm, when I'm not working with people, I'm out there trying to find something new, you know. And I love finding, I, I, I got into tracking there a little bit this last year from mm -hmm. a, a book I, I got in the library again about tracking. Uh, I, I found I followed a little... Um, Pins and stuff into into the bushes, into gorse. I'd be down on my hands and knees, and you know, and finding new tracks. And then suddenly you go into this woods, and you're like, oh, there's a track in here. Someone's actually made a, a mountain bike track or something hidden in here, you know. Brilliant. So I'm gonna I'm gonna then I join all the dots up. Say I'm gonna give it a bit of this, give it a bit of that, put the forest in this, and then here here's a group one. And I got bring it out to everybody and bring them into the mountains. And Brilliant. So yeah, that's yeah. Which brings me to the the next song you chose, which is the. Um, Part of the soundtrack of Into the Wild movie, oh, yeah. and it's an Eddie Vedder fantastic song called yeah. Society. And obviously, that's it's an amazing movie. It is. Uh, tell me a bit about uh, that song. That song, movie. yeah, that song has uh, got a little history for me there um, about that song. My uncle uh, had uh, passed away um, a few years ago, but <clears throat> the same day I had that CD, I, I got that CD, you know, and uh, just something happened there. There's a connection with that song and my uncle. Me in the hills, you know. Mm -hmm. But when you listen to the words, it's very, um, it's very inspiring in some way. It's more about the words than the song. Sure. So it gives me every time I play it, I think of my uncle. Oh, but I'm always in the mountains, and I don't listen to music. I've noticed a song up by heart, and I could and sing it for you. But not gonna, I'm going to. But you know, so when I'm out there tapping away, I don't know what it is. It just it connects me to a memory of my uncle. You know. So that's that's the song. Yeah. It's a powerful yeah. song. Steve song for you. Yeah, it's powerful. You know. To me, we have agreed with which we have agreed. And you think you have to want more than you need until you have it all, you won't be free. 
not lonely without me. When you want more than you have, you think you need. And when you think more than you want, your thoughts begin to bleed. I need to find a bigger place. 'Cause when you have more than you think, you need more space. Before we go back to the mountains, I want to find because it's quite an unusual. I mean, it's a fantastic lifestyle, but it's quite an unusual lifestyle for uh, uh, for 2018, where we're all chasing the big money, the big mortgages, whatever. You've gone the other way, which is brilliant. Okay. Um, but how did you get there? So, what's give us a bit of your like? I know you grew up in South Dublin, mm-hmm. so give us a bit of uh, background on South Dublin, what you were doing, how you. Okay, you have to cut me off when the time comes. This is a long story. <laughs> no, it's no problem. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I'll edit it when I think it's right. Okay, brilliant. Well, as you know, I'm originally from Black Rock. Um, I also think that's where we originally met each other at one stage, face to face, but not knowing mm-hmm. each other where we are today. Um, yeah, I just I, I I try and keep it short. I was a tattoo artist by trade, and um, I started uh, you know working out different shops um, throughout the country, um, all over the place really. And then nothing, nothing was really happening for me here in in Dublin. I was getting in too much trouble back in those days with the cops and um, <clears throat> drinking and drugs and everything else. And I realised that you know this 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 lifestyle is not going to go anywhere besides behind bars or die. You know. And it was just at them back in them days, was a lot of gang fights, as you've probably seen. And I was, I was, I was a member of one of them clubs, and I just really, all my friends were dropping off like flies, and I was like, ah, this is not for me. I was coming home every weekend with black eyes and broken noses and bruised up knuckles, and you know yourself, it was just that days, you know. And I realised then, okay, I've had too much trouble with the cops, and this is, I've had a final warning, so I'm going to actually um, take this as a, you know, get me head involved with something else. So. I got back into tattooing because I was jumping out tattooing at that stage. I got back in and realised I can't have damaged hands for for drawing and on people's skin. So I moved to England um, to get away from all this. You know, I was with a different girlfriend at the time, and um, she really helped me motivate me off the alcohol and the drugs and stuff like that. You know, so I got got my head down. I worked in the studio, just put my head down. Didn't get involved with anything that was in England. You know, it was, it was, a, it was a rough little place actually where I started working in Nottingham. Another gang, another gang city, yeah. So anyway, on the positive side, I just work, 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 and four years passed on. I was like, wow, a new person. But unfortunately, I had put so much weight on. So this is where the bone. This is when running gets gets involved. Well, I mean, I was running. I was running away from gangs. So technically, I was still running in some way. You were speeding to speed more yeah. so than long distance. I'm getting chased by the cops. I hope that most of the cops are even friends of mine. They even run with me now. But anyway, look, it's another story. And um, so I joined the gym. The, 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 the tattoo studio I was working for in England also owned a gym, and it was both the studio. So, and I was quite, I, was, I had a big belly and big man boobs, and I just I carried the weight mainly on my chest rather than my legs and like that. And my face was quite spudged out. I must send you a picture, actually, you'd be shocked. Yeah, you would be. And uh, that was mm, no big sponge. <laughs> so when I joined the gym, long story short, and I got into a program, so I had no idea what to do with weights. I was a bit intimidated. Uh, all the guys were looking in the mirror at themselves, looking, you know, giving this muscle thing, and here's me with my little matchsticks. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm a bit of a character, and I tend to be a bit cheeky, so I really got in love with the people, and I was in the mirror going, whoa, look at my muscles, and they're like, crazy Irish man, you know. So I was like, um, ah, look, it's just the way it was. I was having crack with them. 
So I, I wasn't feeling comfortable. So I asked the guys, can they get me on something else? A program. So they put me on the treadmill and that was it. That was a day I realised that running was for me. Now, they put me on the treadmill and over a period of weeks they, they increased it upwards. So yeah, so look, I was on a hill. And even with the belly, I was still managing to hold the pace. You know, and I, I was wearing like, um, I was wearing this, you know, skin top thing to keep my belly in because it was like a, like a bra in some way because it was irritating. And it was quite an irritating belly, like it was dro- drooping, you know, I couldn't see my knees or I realised I didn't want this. I didn't want to be, I want to look good, you know, I want to feel good. I mean, I felt good. I was always happy and it never seen me not happy. Like I've been happy since the day I was coming out of mummy's belly, you know, coming out, yeah, free belly. <laughs> but uh, so anyway, that was it. The, the man who, who was doing the programme for me happened to be a trail runner. And he said to me, John, I think you should go get off this treadmill. It's not for you. You just you're just you're getting faster, you're up in the pace all the time, you obviously have good strong legs. But I've been mountain biking for years before that. Mm. I was always into extreme sports, so mm. I guess my legs were strong. Just the belly was slowing me down, yeah. And the mind, I have a very stubborn mind. I'd be telling people very stubborn as a mm. as a runner, you know. So I went trail running with him in the Peak District, because um, I was living quite close to it. And um, got my first pair of trail runners that weekend in England, um, Speed Cross too, from Solomon. And I still have them at home as a memory. They're actually mm-hmm. on my wall, on my parents' wall, you right. know. And many times my mum, I know you listen to this mum, wants to uh, dump all my old stuff. She sees a hole somewhere she throws in the bin. You know, I, I hate my mum for that, for that reason. But anyway, I love her for other reasons. But that's mum's fight, yeah. And that was it. I took off from there. Really? really took off from there. I was, I was, it was killing me. Out. My heart rate was jumping sky high. And I didn't know how to run. So when I moved back to Ireland, and I remember the year, um, I started... I was living in Black Rock with my parents for a while just to get settled before I realised what I wanted to do. And uh, I went up to Ticknock and that was my, my trail running. But I had lots of injuries. I, I, I don't know, I was running too fast. I was running run stride. I was doing a long stride. I was heel striking. You know, I was in the Peak District. It wasn't really, re- I wasn't recognised or anything mm-hmm. like that because it was more of a hobby. Because I'd work six days a week, so the only day I could have mm-hmm. was a running day. But then when I moved back to Ireland, I had more time to focus on running. So that's when I started getting all my injuries. So for a full year, I was black and blue, cut to bits, falling, everything. And I was like, this can't be how you run. Mm-hmm. So I actually learned how to run properly. And that's where I am today. So I can run non-stop. Now, I guess I say I run non-stop through the whole day, but every day I run and I don't get injuries because I corrected my, my yes, form, my style of running. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to ask you something else about uh, coming back to Ireland, but just before that... Um, Another song you picked is um, the Cranberries, Salvation. Mm. So, sounds like when you come back to Ireland, in around that time, possibly. Yeah, possibly it was. I want to hear some Irish tracks. Cranberries, I love, love. I love Dolores, I love her music, I love her voice. Um, and I just, I just, there's also something that connects me back to Ireland with the Cranberries. Uh, there's a story, actually, a small story. When I used to go down to Waterford to get tattooed by John Waller, I was getting a Celtic, I have a big Celtic back piece um, by an, art, an, art, an artist called Jim Fitzpatrick. And every time I went down to Waterford and back, I always listened to the full tracks of the Cranberries. And it gave me some sort of a lift and it, you know, it got me connected because the, the, the tattoo was a very painful experience. Um, and I was getting, it took six months for every two weeks. So I needed something to mot- motivate me while I was getting tattooed. So it was always Cranberries, there was always that, that song. So while I, before I go out on a run or something like that, I, I like to get kind of, you know, jiggy, jiggy, jiggy. I always put cranberries on. Really? Yeah, it gives me that lift, you know. It's and not only that song though, I wouldn't, you know, because it's really, when you listen to it, you can hear it. Play it. Oh yeah, it's a rock song though. <laughs>
as I was saying to you before we got started, a lot of this is to do with uh, how we interact with our own communities, within how we help each other, how others can help us. So obviously the trail running guy in England got you going on something mm -hmm. that you know, changed your life, for one. So you went from being tattoo artist to now uh, accomplished uh, athlete and set up your own business and your own you know, outdoor pursuit, just fantastic. But when you came back to Ireland, even when you were in Ireland, just talk me through some of the hard times. You don't have to go into details, but the harshest times you had around here. What was, the, what was it like around Blackrock or Dean's Grange or whatever you were hanging around? I mean, could you see a way out when you were there or you were just sucked in with whatever was going on? And it's just, it's just you know, where was the community? Where was the help? When I came back from England? Oh, oh even before, like, you before? know. Yeah. Well, before I was definitely sucked in. I couldn't get out. You were sucked in, yeah. just couldn't. Uh, couldn't get out. When you came back then, like, because, you know, a lot of people knew you around Blackrock, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, you're a very recognisable totally, face, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. But when you came back, what was it like when, when you came back in? A bit strange when I came back, right, yeah. There's still a lot of the older crowd I used to hang around with that don't look so healthy anymore. They look, maybe they're, I don't know, we won't talk about their lives too mm. much, but they're gone downhill. Mm. Uh, in their prison, whatever, and I've seen, seen, seen a few of them, and they're like, Oh, Jesus, Jay, what's the story? Look at you, you look so healthy. Well, what have you done? I said, Well, I got out, and you should do the same, you know. Mm. And if you want help, come and talk to me, yeah, you know. And that was it. And some of them boys I still talk to today, and it's very deep and emotional. I often go through tears with them, you know, sure. the stories you have to hear. And they're, they, look, they look like fighting dogs, they're all, you know. Scraped up. And Did any of them join you for a run? Yeah, no, anything? no, definitely not running. They wouldn't get far running. But I, I, when I've been in the city, I always make an effort to meet them. Always. Right. Now, and I said it's very difficult to talk to them, and you know it's emotional, and it's it's, it's just it's hard. You have you have to really have the head for you to get in there. But I know them so well mm. that, that I think they trust me at this stage. You know, and, and they're trying. They're trying to sure. get off the, the gear they're on. You know, what I mean, they're, they're going to clinics and helping. Sure. But it's a tough world, you know. It is a tough world. Yeah. yeah. Um, I read somewhere um, that um, I don't know you 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 think well you had dyslexia or something growing mm -hmm. up, or, uh, which obviously at the moment uh, it's, it's it's one of those things that is um, you know uh, whatever diagnosed very easily. Mm -hmm. whatever, but you know, back then, what was it like growing up with dyslexia? A nightmare, absolute nightmare, and still is today. Mm. I just have a lot of help. But my dyslexia, I didn't even know it was dyslexic back in the days, obviously, when I was on the streets, I didn't know any better, like, and, you know, you're growing up in those skills where they don't know even know what dyslexia is, it's only when I realised, uh, I, I think I was living in Limerick, yeah, I was right, I was living in Limerick, <coughs> and um, I never had to deal with paperwork, as a tattoo artist, I mean, we draw on paper, but there's no, there's no writing, there's no verbal stuff, and it was only one day when this new shop started using consent forms, and I was like, oh, God, what's this? I have to read it. Oh, no, I hate reading, you know. I just always have a weakness, you know. Now, I could read a tattoo magazine or I could read a full book of running. I understand it because I connected the sure. words. But when it's, when it's something I have to read and I, I don't understand what the words are because there's all professional words, you know. And I'm like, oh, I don't even know what that means, you know. I don't even know how to read a dictionary, so I don't know how to look it up. There was no Googles, so there was no phones, you know. You just had to, it was just a dictionary, you know. And that's when I realised I had a, a slowness in something. And I tried to fix it by going to, uh, um, what's he called, those skills, um, uh, Dyslexic Ireland's, you know, they, they have a little, as a franchise, mm -hmm. I don't know, little skills everywhere all over Ireland. And I went in there and asked them, I think I'm, I think I'm slow at something and I want to fix it because I know in my future it's going to hold me back. And I got, got, I got in with a nice little woman called Sister Monica. She was a little 
Uh, a little, I say little because she was literally about four <laughs> foot two. She was tiny and I was six foot two. And I always had to look down at her, you know, it was quite funny. But she really, I was with her for about four years while I was living in Limerick. And I tell you, it was the toughest life I had because I really had to open up myself and it was very emotional for me. I cried most of the time. I was really angry with myself that I, I couldn't add one and one. No, not literally one and one, sure, but yeah. you know, the smallest little things. I had to go back to kids' books. And for a man, you know, a grown man, it's embarrassing because you're in a, you're in a classroom with other people in the same situation. And it's like an AA meeting and it's, it's just painful. Like, so from them reasons, I was really, God, I don't want to be here. This is cracking me up. But I, I stuttered out. I had my parents and my girlfriend at the time push me back in. And it's like, a, it's like when you're growing up in the school days, if you miss your school class, someone comes to your door with the guards looking for you, they bring you back in. So that was technically how it worked in Limerick. They came looking for me, saying, Jay, you missed class, what's going on? And it's not like they're doing it in any mean way. They really want to help you, you know. And they put me back in. And look, I, long story short, with that, I learned <coughs> confidence is the biggest thing I learned with that. I never had confidence. I wouldn't go into a bank and I would be very good with the captain. You know, I'm a bit shy. Um, I can't read that. And then someone would say, I oh, signed up. It's like, oh, I can't. My signature is really bad. And I, I was crap at everything, you know. Mm-hmm. And as I said, she, learned, she taught me how to deal with my, my confidence inside myself to make myself become who I am today, you know. Which is brilliant because yeah. they, you went on to write for the, the Irish Runner. The Irish Runner magazine, yeah. Which is fantastic, yeah, it you is. know. And yeah. you know, I read for you the articles. You know, yeah, the, the passion is, you know, it's about what you know, what you mm-hmm. like, uh, which is great, you know, to come from, um, from a place where, as you say, you couldn't, uh, couldn't do nothing. pick a pen yeah, and yeah. Uh, with confidence. That's fantastic. So, um, On that note of Irish Runner, uh, that people don't realise it. They only see, they see a thing, they just think, oh, this guy isn't is a professional athlete, or you read something, and go, oh, this guy is a great writer. But I struggle to write them articles. I have to rewrite and rewrite and rewrite and... Oxford Dictionary, Oxford Dictionary, days of the same page, you know, and then it has to get proved. <laughs> well, look, you, <laughs> you know, know it's a journey yeah. with them write ups. Well, it goes with uh, with your stubbornness and running yeah, and everything exactly else, which is fantastic. Yeah. We'll talk a bit more, but uh, the next song you have again is from um, the same movie, um, Into the Wild, and it's Long Nights by Eddie Vedder. So, mm. any particular? <laughs> yeah, again, it's, just, it's it's the words. It's all about his words. He, I love I love um, reading his books poetry books you know um, they touch me in places that gives me more inspiration to move, keep going in my life because there is a, I still have a bit of depression in my life as you probably read in the Irish Runner magazine that was the first day um, when Frank really gave me the job for working for Irish Runner because he was so inspired by my story um, of my you know my life back in the, in the, in the days <clears throat> and I carried the darkness through them years and I still have it today so when listen to Eddie you know in the winds of the wild and stuff it really gives me a lift in life to keep going because I'm so busy every day with other people I sometimes forget about myself and then when I get a chance to sit down and think about things I sometimes that darkness kicks in sure. so I have to get something together because demons are always sitting on your shoulders sure. like, you can never get rid of them you know they're always, they're always there you're always worrying you're always thinking so music gives me that lift to keep myself going so that's I'll be better off than I was before I've got this life I'll be around to grow Who I was before I cannot recall Long, long nights 
Because you're willing to, to be helped. Exactly. You know, Kermit, from yeah. sister Such uh, Monica, Monica yeah. and the trail running in, in Nottingham and so on and so forth. Um, which is it's fantastic. It's, it's, it's exactly what, what I'm hoping that people will get out of this conversation. That mm-hmm. look, it's a, it's a big bad world out there, but you can make it your own. You can make it whatever you want it to be. Mm-hmm. So you went from when you realized you were a natural runner. Um, that you had an ability to run because that's a funny thing there's a lot of sports we all go to learn how to play football to play hockey or whatever but nobody goes out to learn how to run mm-hmm. we all think we can just run just and we can yeah. run you can, we can run yeah. but yeah, there's a better there's a way to do it it's easier to make it easier to go up the trail exactly, or, yes. yeah, but you're obviously a natural runner and so you went from there to coming back to Ireland setting up in the in the Wicklow Mountains and and now you're, you're a sponsor athlete yeah, so you you got a sponsorship deal with Colombia, Colombia and the uh, Great Outdoors, and the Great Outdoors, which is both uh, great um, great institutions mm-hmm. as such. Um, so what what do you do a lot of races? Um, uh, apart from obviously you're busy with your business and yeah, your, yeah. But do you do races? Do you do many races? I won't do as many races as I would like to do because it's time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's time away from people that would want my service, you know. And I always think about the people because, as you know yourself, they, they, they're setting goals and they want to get to their goals and I love helping them with their goals. Right. So if, you, if I'm racing, I'm, I'm kind of, that's a few days off where I could be training with them, you know. So I tend to, when I do a race, I tend to be more abroad. I try to get a holiday into it. So like if I were going to Chamonix or went last year, a couple of races around Europe and again this year I have a list of them in Scotland, you know. So I try and make them a holiday as well. So that's, yeah, there we the races I would take on rather than smaller ones. Okay, well, that's, that's very, um, very altruistic of you too. But no, in fairness, you're committed to something. And I followed uh, at the moment you're training a, a girl in particular. She's training for some uh, long distance race. Mm-hmm. She's working one on one with you. So obviously, that's your commitment to her, mm-hmm. to her achievement, which is uh, okay, yeah. great, you know. Mm-hmm. So we kind of touched on the nutrition. Just tell me about nutrition because it's, 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 a, it's a subject that really fascinates me and uh, and I'm hearing different stories from different people but what, what you, what's your normal um, what would you do what would you eat and <laughs> it's a funny subject because I don't really eat much too much food so that's the thing right um, <clears throat> well I don't know where to start with that because you can go on for that one for a long time I guess just dig into it so my, my daily diet would be I get up in the morning maybe like I said I eat nothing before I go for runs and I can go running up to 6-7 hours on empty you know um, and I still feel super strong when I come home. I might have banana. But if I, my regular, probably, I'd say my regular days would be a bowl of cereal, which would be a, a muesli. Uh, try to stay away from sugar, processed sugars 100%, unless I'm drinking some wine or alcohol, you know. Or once in a while, treat myself to a piece of cake here in Glendalock or hot chocolate, and that's it. So that'd be very rarely. So a bowl of cereal, and my cereal takes me about 10, 15 minutes to make. <laughs> this is where the fun part comes in. So I'd have a, I have a little section in my little cabin, you know, and um, they're all full of powders. So I have maca powder, spirulina, I've got all greens, so all the greens would be in there, wheatgrass, etc., you know. Flex seeds, uh, all types of nuts and everything. So it's a very, it's a very filling breakfast, and then I 
put I don't put I don't use milk, so I I don't do any kind of dairy much. So I, I throw in some maybe coconut milk or I even just do water. Um, or even better, I'd people, most people think this is sick, but I would put a pint of apple cider vinegar as my water mm-hmm. into my cereal, stir it all up, and then eat it. Now I tell you, I'm so full for the whole day. I because mm. because I've got into this habit of running on empty for the past two or three years. Um, my body is I don't know how the science works in my body, but it, I feel I'm just I'm using my own energy to mm. create more energy to keep mm. going. You know. So I don't feel I need to eat much. So like I say, I do uh, a really tough half marathon in the mountains. And what really tough for me is a lot of steep hills. And I run up them all and I don't walk up any of the steep hills. Or I do a bit of scrambling or climbing. And I'm using it full on and using all my energy. And I could, I could go out there and be happy to run six, seven hours of that. And still come home and not feel starving. I'm not dehydrated because the weather is lovely. It's all raining. It's only when it's sunny. I dehydrate a lot but I said I drink a lot of apple cider vinegar every day every two or three pints of it and then I come home in the evening I say I'll have a dinner so my dinner would be like I love stir fries but I won't cook I won't overcook them I'm very into food I like cooking as well when I do cook so I'd, I'd have a stir fry with a lot of sauce again I throw in a lot of different things in there as well <coughs> and I have like I love oils so I'm a bit about pa- passion for oils I've got it's like running shows. I've got oils, I've got turmeric oils, I've got flaxseed oils, I've got, uh, you know, the list of health oils that cost me a fortune. But I don't spend money on anything else besides oils. So that's probably the, the easiest way of saying what Very I good. do. So yeah, obviously, yeah, that's, that sounds good. Now, there will, there will be people saying to me, I need this, I need that. Like, I need protein, you need this, you need that. But look, I've been doing this for years and I don't feel I'm any weaker. If anything, I feel I've got more energy to give, you know. I know when I finish doing my own personal trainings, I often go out and do really intense fast runs, short ones now, but it's very technical over there. Moneystown Woods, there's really technical tracks. And I'd be, I'd be like on the barrier going... <laughs> and then 10 minutes later, I'm just I'm back up again, you know. So that's your body selling it, like whatever you're eating is it's good for you. Exactly. It's working so it's for fast you. recovery, which is the bonus thing. That's the main thing, yeah. yeah that, that, that's, that's what gives me the energy to go again the next day and go, 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 go. You know, and I used to be clocking up. Sorry, I used to be clocking up about somewhere somewhere between 150 to 200 k a week, and still have fast recovery. But it all comes down to food and good training. (laughs) So I'm just going to go on to the next song. Is the the choicest song to me when I was listening to them all? It's a bit like the when you do your running, you do your slow run, you do your fast run, Mm -hmm. you do your speed training, Mm -hmm. and your hill run. And this is come back to the Warsaw Village Band. There's another song called What Have You Been Doing? And it's uh, quite upbeat, quite a. Uh, and so going back to just the discovery finding, it's, it's great to get you going before, mm-hmm. before a it run. Is. And, and often, run. When, when often when I come home from a run and I re- run out, I go, wow, I really enjoyed that, <laughs> that run, you know? And I feel really like excited and I want to dance on lights. I love dancing, you know. Stick I just stick that on and I, I blare it because where I live, I, there's only trees around me, there's no room for miles. <laughs> I just blare it at the highest land. And <laughs> so, yeah. Music gives you a lift, guys, now. Listen to my music. It's away from the phones.
to go back to the, the Monsbet and, and Brothers because um, I'm talking more about that. But first, the, the, the tattooing. Um, I mean, I, 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 we posted a couple of pictures of yourself on the website, and, and uh, so people know know about you. They can search for you. Know, mm-hmm. You have quite a lot of tattoos. And, fairly uh, heavily covered. Yeah. Fairly heavily covered. Mm-hmm. Is it? Um, well, obviously you were a tattoo artist, but as a receiver of tattoo, is it an, an addictive? Addictive tattooing, definitely, yes. You get addicted to it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially when you're working on the trades. Mm. And some days when, like, I mean, I'm a heavy cover because of the studios I worked in. So I never really paid for anything. We always, we always look after each other, you know, tap on the shoulder. You know, and we just we just looked after each other. So mm. days like the winter, no one likes to get tattooed, even though, in my opinion, it's the best day to get tattooed. And we just sit there and go, right, let's tattoo each other. So that's why today I'm heavily tattooed. Mm. Just from days like that, you know. Right. But it, it is addictive. From the outside world coming in and you come in to get your first tattoo, it does become addictive. You know, people mm. say, I'm only coming to get one or two, and I say, no, you're not. You you're going to get more, I can guarantee you. And uh, so you were doing tattooing uh, before it became very fashionable. Oh, yes. Because uh, uh, when, when the early days of tattooing, yeah, it wasn't really mainstream, was no, it? No, it wasn't. No. It was pretty much as you, either you were in a gang or yes, you were... Yes, yes. Oh, look, man, the stories I could tell about tattooing back in the day is, is mm-hmm. amazing. Like, I mean, I go to studios now and no one knows who you are or, like, it's so fashionable. It's just crazy, you know. Every mum has one side of her hand or a finger or uh, teardrops now, yeah, you know. Yeah, back yeah. in the days when we got teardrops, it was because we got them for a good reason. You know? Right. Gang marks, you know. And it's so it's amazing to see all this stuff then now it's so fashionable like I mean it's just amazing because like, you all knew each other like especially oh, yeah. in Dublin it was yeah. a small enough community in Ireland it was, a, it was a massive community like we had we had a, a, an, in, an, in, an indoor community that we all talked to each other and that's all the studios in Ireland we mm-hmm. had a little kind of um, a community radio if something happened to one studio we'd all support each other so if someone tried to sue someone for underage tattooing which happened a lot in the days but it never made it to court because there was no law in tattooing you know um, we made a law like so that was that was the what it was, you know. It was brilliant. So we all we and uh, we have you had problems with machines or we had anything. We all just contacted each other, you know. It's like little WhatsApp, but there's no sure, WhatsApp. Yeah, there was no we, WhatsApp know, we had no damn phones. <laughs> we had big blocks, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just rang each other. <laughs> yeah, we just called yeah. each other or send email or send a letter to each other, you know. Yeah, that's interesting. Cause now it's just gone the other way. Now yeah, it's, it's uh, footballers and um, and anybody's mm-hmm. in the, and it, it's the industry obviously changed now. Not big time, yeah. But what's um. So are you good at drawing? Are you good at tattooing? Really good, yeah. I, was, I, I got into tattooing because of the street art. I was doing a lot of graffiti um, uh, on the streets. Um, and it, just, it, it kind of progressed from there. There was, an, there, was an, there was always an older guy hanging around. And he's a friend of my dad's. And um, he, always, he always had one or two tattoos, but I always thought there was loads of them because I was younger, obviously. You know, mm-hmm. I was only, what, 13, 14. Like. And um, I always wanted to say, you know, one of these days I want to get a tattoo. And he said, why don't you get one? I said, I don't know, my dad would probably kill me. <laughs> I'd probably get kicked out of school. All the things I thought what happened, happened. <laughs> <laughs> so I went in to tell one, one of my schoolmates, Shane Rooney, haven't seen him in years, and um, he's from town, because you know, the city was a big, scary yeah, place yeah. for a child, yeah. you know, and I wouldn't even know how to get in there. Like, So he said to me, look, look I go in there, because I, I have to go home to Kilbarrick from school. Like, So he said, let's bunk off school one day. <laughs> let's get tattooed. <laughs> so I went into, I went into town and I was, like, I was really shaking and shit myself. And um, there was only one studio at the time, which is still going on today, which is brilliant. It's called uh, Bren Hart's Tattoo Studio on Tobin Street. And um, even though Bren probably listened to this because we're, t- we're friends now, and he did tattoo me when I was underage. I was 14, but he didn't, 
he asked me the whole ritual. He said, oh, what age was 18. <laughs> <laughs> I stood up proud of I was 18. And I didn't crack myself around. And he says, right, sit down. And it was literally, give me your arm. Like, what do you want? I want that. Because I didn't even know what I wanted. I shot myself, you know. Yeah, yeah. I said, oh, I want that. And I happened to be this one here. Look, let's go, Legger. I'll do this go. Yeah, Very which good. is still there today. Very you know? good. And that was it. <clears throat> I just kind of, I learned how to get into town. I learned how to go to his studio, how to approach him in the right way. And he loved collecting them. I didn't have much money now, you know. It was just like getting money from bits and balls. But he loved collecting um, um, uh, uh, what they call them, skulls of dead animals and stuff. Oh. And he collected all sorts of little things like that. So I happened to be, I know the woods off my heart when I was a kid, growing up there in Black Rock, there was no, there was no building sites, there was no, it was all fields, horses and stuff, and there was lots of things. And I picked them up and I collected them and I brought them into them. And he loved collecting weapons, and I was big into weapons at the time. So I was in gangs and so I was hanging around as, you know, as a kid. And uh, I'd done lots of martial arts and I had weapons all over the place. So I said, right, let's do trade. I want tattoos. I don't really need this stuff. You can have it. And that was it. So I was his regular until I was the age of 18. And he actually realised that at that stage I wasn't the age I told him it was. So he said, look, there's no law in this country. He says, we have to ask, you know. Now there's a law. Everything's different nowadays. And that's really where I got into tattooing. But um, just one last thing about tattooing. So if you sketch on a piece of paper, or oh, you do a draw, it's fine, but... Once it gets on somebody's skin, skin yeah. it's, uh, I mean, you can't, there's, there's no room for error, right? No, that's why you need to train really hard. So you, you get an apprenticeship, you know, and you practice. And how, how did you train? Well, how at that you... time, we didn't have guinea pigs like we have now. We have friends who want to have all tattoos, you can change, you know. So we used to practice on um, <clears throat> pig skin. And obviously, you know, I wasn't a vegetarian back then, days, you know, I wouldn't be so concerned. And you go to the butcher and you get pig skin. And it's, just, it's absolutely disgusting, you know. And you just wrap it around something like a football or something like that. And, or whatever you can get shape of and just practice you know. okay. or, or you could do is a different type of fruits banana skin and stuff like that now, yeah, pink skin will start to get really kind of smelly after a while so as, as the years go on nowadays if someone wants to learn a tattoo they can actually get uh, fake skin Okay. Yeah. so then from there I kind of progressed to my old buddies and they all had shit tattoos on them and they wanted to fix so long story short there you go excellent right um, <coughs> the cranberry is free to decide um, any particular apart from driving to Waterford uh, to get tattooed, is that yeah, part just, of that? I just love her music. Good, she gives me that. Music, yeah. she it's a shame, she, shame she's gone. Yeah, it is. Rest in Go back to mud sweat and runners because um, it's just it's a great thing you do and, yes. and I, it's it's great to see people of all ages and sizes and backgrounds you know mm. joining and it's something that's growing anyway. In the last few years there's more and more runners out there, mm. which is brilliant. It's, it's, brilliant. it's a great uh, it's a great sport to get into. Have you seen much of um, a change in the last few years in terms of who comes up to your to your runs? Or is it 
Is there anybody, or oh, it's just literally anybody coming up? I've seen a massive change in the years, yeah. Because yeah. again, there wasn't any, when, when I set up Munster Runners, there wasn't any other groups besides some of the, the local Emmer heads that mm. run together, you know. And nowadays, there's just, well, <laughs> it's like tattoo shops. There's just so many groups around everyone, mm. which is brilliant. Mm. And it, it is amazing to see all that happen, you know. But yeah, I do get a lot of people coming and going, and um, they do progress. I mean, most of the people that come to my runs, never knew what they're going to end up doing ultramarathons you know um, there's always one or two of them that wanted to train for that and didn't know where to go so they would come with me in my own training and now they just progress so fast that they don't need me anymore in that sense so it's in that sense it was really good to help them to find their path mm. in what they wanted to train as, as an ultra runner you know but I said nowadays we have so many regulars now that all of them are nearly trying to do an ultramarathon you know and it's brilliant, I love it's to see yeah. it's progressing over the years, you know, for five Ks. And then you were saying, when you, you know, no, it's brilliant. Yeah. It's, and when you say, when you started off, um, the, the group you were in, it was a bit too serious. So the idea of this, and I haven't been to one of your runs yet, mm -hmm. I will. Uh, it's been a busy year for running, but I will. Um, it's like tattooing. But it sounds like a bit of crack, doesn't you it? You more and more and more. I know, you do. And it's I know, I know I'm, 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 I got stuck in it, but I'm glad I'd, be, I'd become addictive to, to running than anything else. But it... But it sounds like, like if you're looking at the photograph, looking at some of the, the videos you put out, it looks like fun. Oh, it is terrible. It's you make, fun, it, yeah. make sure it's I fun. Make, I make sure it's fun, that's it. I try to, like, in my group, there is no rules as such, um, but I try to keep the ego and uh, the competitiveness away from my group. But sometimes people come and they're like shooting off and then they're stopping and they're saying, come on, you're going too slow. I said, it's, it's in the wrong group, man, you know. So yeah. I come with a faster group with me. Or um, don't don't come at all, like you know. So because I just want to make sure everybody has a good, I want, yeah, a good time. Yeah, exactly. I want to just make sure that everyone's having a, a good positive time, and that's why I pick I pick and I make the routes special. So there's something for everybody, you know. Sure. So if it's if it's like a beginner one, I make sure that they still have a little bit of a hill to enjoy, or they have great scenery, or you know, it's just something that they're coming down from Dublin, or but I'm always a bit nervous. I always try to think of them rather than what's best for myself. So and that's for that's for all the groups from all different ages as well, from kids to adults, you know. That's the other thing I want to ask you. I saw some photograph. You you work a lot with uh, kids of all ages, and I've seen this beautiful shot on on one of your, on the blog of you running. Mm -hmm. With all these uh, tiny Tumors. people, <laughs> um, tell me a bit about that because I'm hoping somebody listening to this will actually uh, correspond. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What do you do with the little ones? Make them run. <laughs> and just I just give them lots of games. I try to create a lot of games in my head um, that would be active for them and keep them taking over. Because kids have um, amazing brains. Amazing. They think they just have a. They don't. They can switch off very quick, very fast. So I try to keep them switched on. Mm -hmm and full-on adrenaline for two hours off in the rain, running through puddles. And I said, I give them games, so it's constantly something. <clears throat> could be cat and mouse chasing me around the forests or chasing one of my associates, Nicola, or, or whatever, you know, or chasing each other, or even better, chasing their parents, because their parents <laughs> can't run. And they're thinking they're coming down here just to check out what their kids are doing with Judy J in the woods, you know. But I always say, come on, guys, and the, pho the phones are always out in the woods. It's like, guys, have banned phones from coming to my runs, you know. Phone your pocket. We need you as an assistant. Well, I can't run. And then we put a sock in the back of them and we get all the kids to chase the parents. And the parents there start getting into us, you know. And then we want more and then so on. So yeah, anyway, I just, yeah, I basically, I just do trail running with kids, you know. But I do orienteering games. It's not just trail running. I try to keep it different than what other people are doing out there, you know. And what age do you start at? Um, I try to work with all ages in different groups. Sure. So I think maybe eight plus because okay. I think below that is, gets a bit kind of 
hard, hard to work with yeah. smaller kids, yeah. yeah. Um, but I'd like to work with younger children as well. Maybe indoors, do different. Uh, do you do anything stuff. with schools? Uh, yes, we uh, we were working at a school there in the Foca, um a while ago. I got a contract with them, but it was bad timing because something else had happened with the Dublin Council for me, and I was doing park runs with with the, with the council. So I couldn't do everything. Sure. I don't have enough me. <laughs> sure. So uh, maybe this year I'll go back to the schools. Okay. Definitely, yeah. Because it's, it's, it's time to be a fantastic well. thing for any school in the locality or to, to or anywhere from yeah. Dublin to come up for for a few hours. And I walked in here with the Brock Centre a few times. Um, I um, do private parties and stuff, and it was about I think it was about fifty kids. It was it was a big session, you know. Uh, I couldn't post that unfortunately because it was a private session for sure. them and stuff like that. Uh, but that was a great, great day. We run around in the Brock Centre there, jumping off all obstacles. I had all, I brought all kind of nature obstacles back into the room, you know. So it was, it was a complete two-hour, two-hour session, and they loved it. And we do, as I said, we do private parties in the woods, or in the forest, nearby, anywhere really. Anywhere you live nearby, we, we could travel to you, you know. And then there's a party at the, at the end of it for the birthday parties. And they love it because they're, they're, they're using all their energy and they're coming down going, smell a cake, you know, Indeed. even though it's the opposite thing to do. But look, ah, the kids yeah, no, party, you know, so it's good crack. So what have you got planned for going forward? I mean, obviously, you're going to stick with this because it's, it's growing, it's yeah. growing nicely and it's, it's, it's what you love doing. But in, your, in an ideal world, what's, what would your project be? Uh, no, really, I don't really think too far into the future. Yeah, um, okay. No, I just kind of accept each day as it comes. I don't like to um, to set my dreams of things because often they don't happen and then you get disappointed. So I do take each day as it comes. So I do plan, obviously, certain races. Like if I'm booked up solid for the whole year of races, I can't even afford to take on a small race because I'd be worried about my, my training. Even though I don't really have a specific training. I just because I said before I can run every day and I feel good and I feel strong unless it's sunny. <laughs> um, so that's yeah. I don't really plan the future. I just I just like I'd like to be just just keep going doing what I'm doing, but get stronger, faster, as the older I guess, and um, be healthier obviously all the time. You know, and just keep inspiring people. Keep inspiring people there, which is yeah, fantastic. My, my, it, it's organic growth. And it is organic because it's turned into a job for me, and I don't see it as a, a job because it's my passion. I'm sharing, I'm bringing people on my adventures all over Ireland. Um, and you know, I said I don't, I don't charge people. I'm not on the dole. I don't make money from anywhere else. I have no accounts. I just work on donations, and it's it's worked. It pay it pays my bills, which are very small bills really, because I live in nature. You know. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fantastic. So, yeah, your, you know, your carbon footprint is uh, exactly, next to yeah, zero. Yeah. I created something that I didn't plan to create. If you want to say, I didn't plan to go out there and make <clears throat> billions of money, but I'm happy, and you know, I give up tattooing and and full time running every day now. So. Brilliant. Okay, well, we're going to leave you with um, well, the last song is again going back to Eddie Vedder, guaranteed, but um, if you had a word, a few words of wisdom to leave us with, what would you say to anybody listening, to any young adults, or anybody at all listening to? Stay happy, be nice to people, yeah, spread the karma all over the place, just be positive. But if it's a dark day, obviously, go and connect to someone who, who's um, more happier than you and feed off them you know I think that's what a lot of people do to me that's fantastic <laughs> take yeah. my energy yeah so, no yeah. that's that's great and obviously mm-hmm. you, you give them back what other people gave you in the past exactly you know, yes that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's the best way mm-hmm. well Juju that was uh, fantastic we'll uh, leave it at that okay thanks very much for having thanks me it was a pleasure and you're going to come out for a month so I will indeed <laughs> Goodbye, I silently 